0: This is Can We Talk It Over, the only dating relationship podcast that begins in bed. Make the time to subscribe, and let's pull back those sheets.
1: Can we talk about the relationships?
2: Can we talk it over, see how we can build? Only you and I know that's the way it goes.
3: In this big old bed, they're talking over, so talk it over.
2: It's your man, K.R. from Bed-Stuy, and wow, we actually <clears throat> <clears throat> haven't been on air uh, for a while. We record, we do a lot of pre-recording for the show. So what you um, what you all usually hear is stuff that we recorded before. So I got my my cast um, back um, after about a good, boy, maybe month, month off. Figured I'd give everybody a break. So Shaman K.I. from Bed-Stuy. And let's see who we got in the building. Uh, oh, I see Sasha there. Hey, Sasha, what's good?
4: Hey, guys. Happy to be back.
2: Yeah, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, and I see Bree bringing the tea.
4: Hello. How Trev are you?
2: Bree, yes. Bree, and then you have a special guest with you, right? Who you got Yes, with
0: you? I do. My Ms. Ro-Ro <laughs> sitting right over there.
2: What's her name? Roy T royalty. Miss <laughs> <We should've> <laughs> Robin, what's good?
5: Hey, I'm great. How are you all? How are you all? Miss you all.
2: Okay, thank you. Thank you. And uh, let's see who else we got. Oh, of course. King Kong ain't got nothing on brother Leon. What's good, brother Leon? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. after a good time. Good to be back. Yeah, man. Good to have you back. I ain't, I'm, connected with you in a while, kept hitting yeah, and missing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then let's see, who we got? Big O? Is Big O somewhere? Big O in the building.
1: There he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm here. I'm here. Big I had to oh, do some, oh, ma- do some maintenance, maintenance check real quick.
2: Okay, do but, some. Stuff. So, uh, actually, uh, Leon and Big O just recently had birthdays, so happy belated birthday, <laughs> brother. <buddy>. Appreciate <laughs> thank, you. thank you, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yes, yes. How did you guys spend your birthdays, uh, your first birthday in this COVID
1: environment, disregarding all social distancing rules? And Absolutely, <laughs> That's the only way to do it, right? <laughs> so and, and rolling the dice.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, sometimes you got to do that. Wow. Well, it's good to see you all, and uh, thought we would dedicate this this uh, this podcast to. Um, not so much discussing uh relationships, intimate relationships or a different form of intimate relationships, but wanted to do a temperature check on everybody in regards to what's going on in the world. So we, we're going to do this podcast and not uh pretend there is not an elephant in the room. Right. So we have um we have a virus. We have uh, we have covid that we're dealing with. Right. It's it's now in our lives it's a regular part of our lives and that we have to figure out how we're going to adjust to it but in addition to that we have another we have something that in my estimation is even far worse than the virus right our, our social uh unrest seems to be a bigger virus than COVID right and how we collectively going you know, figure out how we're going to live on this big green blue ball together um and uh so I wanted to uh, dedicate I think Olin it was Olin and uh, Anna's idea to really dedicate this podcast to really discussing some of the social issues that are plaguing our society right so believe it or not it's really hard maybe hard maybe not to find a feel-good story but I managed to find a couple so can we jump in with the feel-good story today absolutely all right. All right. Yeah, let's do this. Let me see. I got a, I got one. This one actually comes out of Kenya. I really like this story. So <clears throat> this nine-year-old Kenyan boy was presented with a special presidential award after he built his own public hand-washing sink to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Okay. Stefan Wama Koto, managed to construct his little sanitary station using just a bucket, a few pieces of wood, and some basic tools. Since the sink's mechanism is triggered by foot pedals at the base of the station, people can wash their hands without being forced to touch its surface and risk contracting the virus, right? Stefan's father, James, praised the project in an interview with the BBC saying, I bought some pieces of wood to construct a window frame. But when I came back home from work one day, I found that Stefan had made the machine. The concept, the concept was his and I helped him tighten up the machine. I'm very proud of him. right. So this little boy actually uh, constructed a a water station that was hands free. And um, now uh, hopefully he can get to keep the patent for it. All right. He can get the patent for it. And um, but it's something that actually is very functional in the community. People are praising him. He's getting all kinds of awards. And uh, he actually wants to go to school to become an engineer. I thought that that was a really uh, good feel good story coming out of the world. So what do you think? Good? Feel good story? Um, good, um, good, yep. good enough to start. And, can yep. you get us back in?
1: yeah yeah and and to be fair, as you mentioned earlier, you know um even though today's topic may not be directly devoted to relationships and dating, however, we still are talking it over right that's and right. so that's the whole point of this whole thing like we we are talking it over mm-hmm. and seeing what can we bring into the scope of you know having an honest discussion, even having those tough discussions. Yes. And it could be something that people who are currently in relationships and dating can have, you know, talks about.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, uh, um, Leon, what's going on with you? Hold on a second.
3: What's going on with you guys? Well,
2: you know, we want to hear, We look, we want to hear your perspective about, uh, what's going on in the world as it relates to <laughs> social distancing, COVID, yeah. uh, relationships, um, um, social unrest. Like, we want to get everybody's perspective. I love that we always have a diverse cast. Right. Uh, so, you know, we just, I just saw you, you the that you were first locked in, so I'm like, I pick, I'm picking you. It's cool, it's cool. Um,
3: I don't know, I, I think uh, it's... You know, I, I feel like the the, the feeling that I, I've ha- that I had initially when you know quarantine first kicked off is pretty st- pretty much still the same as far as it being a very um, unique time for us socially. Uh, you know, whether it's people being confronted with you know realizing that the way we live life is you know forever changed in some ways. Um, but also realizing that maybe there's another path for you. Um, And that's what this has kind of been for me, you know, with, you know, with myself and, you know, many of my uh, friends, you know, losing work, um, at least the main source of income uh, through this, it's been a a time to kind of like really think about what direction you want to like for me myself want to, you know, kind of focus my energies in, and I'm still kind of like, uh, working on what that looks like. Um, not necessarily going away from fitness because that's always going to be a part of me, but thinking about what other iterations of, you know, these, these things are going to bring about for me. Um, and that, for the most part, even with us going on, what, month four now with all of this, like, it hasn't really changed that feeling, but now with, you know, with George Floyd um, and everything that's been going on the last, let's say, seven or eight weeks, I, it, it's, it, it, I'm glad to be alive in this time, you know, um, because I feel like what we are witnessing is, is just like everybody It's like when everyone, everyone in a a room, right? We all know what truths are, but there are other people in the room who don't want to talk about what those truths are. And so now it's like an opportunity for everyone to kind of have that conversation. And and, and in many ways, I feel like, you know, it's allowing walls to be broken down and communication to be had. Um, And it's not obviously going to happen overnight and, you know, this is going to be probably a lifelong battle for every one of us on this podcast. Um, but I, I, I do think that, you know, while there are clearly things that, 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 are, there are clearly things that are still, you know, wrong with us socially as, as a, as a, as a, as a people, I think that our ancestors are happy too, you know, that we, there are people that are present now, who are trying to make changes, who are trying to use their voice, use their platform, and you know, and hope that we can continue to push, you know, forward. You know, um, that I mean, it's that I know you. you said a couple of things you want to get my take on, but those those are things. No, that that that's a
2: great start. That's uh-huh. great to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm glad you said what you said because I'm less optimistic. I am, am more of a realist.
3: But- yeah. That, hey, listen, man. I get it. I mean, I, I think sometimes you know I can be very pragmatic, and you know, but I'm also re- a realist as well. Uh, I, I guess it's just for me because I know where I, I know where um, being I don't want to say a pessimist can take me because um, I don't want to say that it's being negative, but. I, I just want to be hopeful. I mean, I'd like one day to have a, a family, you know, and, you know, that I raise up. And for me to kind of, like, even continue with the the, the notion that shit is hopeless, then that kind of, for me, it, it starts my... It starts my, to eat away. My progeny my
1: progeny, and, like, this, you it starts know... Starts to eat like,
3: away at you. Absolutely. absolutely. It starts
1: to de- kind of de... In a sense, it kind of depresses you, but also gives you, like... You have you don't have a reason to right. keep going, or Absolutely. the reason to keep going turns negative, and so that you become you start putting out negative thoughts, negative energy, and yeah. we we see where that goes. Yeah. I do want to talk uh, about, and we're, we're going to get to all of it, and, and I want to talk about COVID. This whole thing has been, man. I, I would not. I feel like 2020 was written by Alfred Hitchcock. and directed by Christopher Nolan. Like, this is this whole couple of past... Executive produced by Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't think, you know, when we got hit, we're all here in New York, when we got hit uh, and we became basically ground zero, and we, you know, corralled you know, circled all the wagons Mm -hmm. Uh, and this was in March. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what, by about June, early July, we might be back to, yeah, we might be back to some sense of normalcy where people are out, you know, and now we're halfway through July. And I mean, it's kind of, it's, I I feel you when you say you don't want to be a pessimist, but you start to see how businesses are closing their doors Right certain restaurants are not surviving and then to put the icing on the cake you see all the other states now who have Anyways. rolled back it's yes. doing their numbers are climbing you're just like man like we just went through this here in new york right and i was hopeful that new york was the worst of it as far as the nation is concerned and now you see the rest of the nation going down the same path that we just went through and you're like oh, god this is going to be and this is going to be a yeah it's going to be a long ride yeah it's going to be a very long ride because you still have those people and sometimes i fall into it too where they just don't believe the news they don't believe the media and it's because it's not happening it's not impacting them on a personal level right you know they're blessed to have family and friends who have not been impacted Uh, And even when you look at the numbers on a large scale, you know, there's different narratives out there saying, you know, this virus is only affecting one percent of the population. And I would like to hear that one percent because I'm pretty sure they're like, okay, whatever. But the rest of y'all don't want this. Y'all don't want to be here. Y'all don't want to be in this one percent. And then you got people who are uh, sending out, you know, conflicting messages on how effective the mask are or how effective the actual tests are getting false positives. And then politicizing, you just throw all this into the bag and you're like, enough is enough. Can we just get this thing solved so we can get back to some, some semblance of normalcy? Like I don't like having to walk outside my door and I'll be honest. I rarely put on my mask unless I'm going inside. If I'm going into a confined space right, and I will put on my mask, when I'm outside, I don't want to be bothered. Right. However, there is a population, they can feel how they want to feel. It's their right to feel how they want. Uh, but there's a, a population that they won't leave the apartment without, without a mask. And to see someone walking around as they call it cavalier without they, you know, they feel some type of way and to me. I'm like this whole pandemic is starting to make us fearful of one another. And it's starting to make us, is pr- putting up another barrier to connecting with someone, all right? Because now you have to take into account how, how close can I get when I'm speaking to this person? I have to be aware of uh, who they are, what they do, because what's to say this person isn't out going everywhere interacting as if the pandemic doesn't exist or you know and then you throw into the whole asymptomatic carriers and all this it's, it's, a, it's a lot it's a lot.
2: Yeah I, I went into uh I went into well, that was last couple of weeks ago went into Manhattan uh for the first time since March down on Wall Street and it's real like they, I, I may have seen 50 people the entire time, I was down there for about three hours. You may have seen a total of fifty people. I mean, so uh, it's real. You know, it's it's a real thing. Like people are literally off the streets. Um, I'd never, I never, I can't, I can't remember New York City being that desolate and 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 empty since maybe like eighties, nineties in before when you could actually walk around the city and there, w- it, there wouldn't be a whole lot of people on the streets. So it, it, it's a real thing. So uh, ladies, please yeah. feel free to jump in.
1: Yes. Is anybody in here directly being impacted or have family or anybody that's going through it?
5: I have a couple of nieces and nephews, the younger generation that, ha- that have it. Uh, then I'm not directly impacted because I um, don't, don't live near some of them and B, don't go near the other ones really because I've just sort of taken care of my own. But um, but but that took a long time. You know, I was one of those people like, God, I'm hearing a lot of these people and a lot of these numbers. Why do I not know anybody? Why does everybody that I talk to not know anybody? But, you know, I, I have this, this kind of... I, I don't... I, I don't know if it's a philosophy or whatever because it changes every day. But at the beginning when this thing all happened, I was very much um, a a person, and I'm not a religious person by any stretch of the imagination, but I do, you know, I'm here for a bigger purpose. And I definitely think that there's bigger reasons for why things happen. And, um, I started thinking, you know, this is, this is happening for a reason. This is happening for a reason. I'm not sure what that reason is. I got my own ideas, but let's rather than, uh, start looking at all the negative things, let's use it as an opportunity. Right now, this was back in March. Obviously, I just come off of a month-long vacation in DR, so I was feeling really great. Um, and I thought, let's look at it as an opp- as an opportunity. You know, we got to go in the way we're going in. Let's make sure we come out better. Yes. Now, as things progressed and more stuff got involved and more reality started happening, and like uh, like O said, you know, I was there thinking June, July, we might just have a summer, you know, kind of thing, and then. My pool was closed and, you know, the beaches were, you know, everything. Um, then I started thinking, and then we have the whole, you know, um, George and Black Lives Matter and everything. And I started to think, you know, there is a tornado going on and it is going on for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to choose because I do teeter. Trust me, every day when I talk to different people, I do teeter between that going negative or going positive. But I got to say, I mean, I've talked to more neighbors than I've ever talked to. I've talked, I've spoken my mind, which I do anyway, more than I ever have. Yes. <laughs> my son's laughing at me upstairs. I've, um, i I've, I've thought about others probably more. Um, I've thought about how others need to think about others even more. And I feel like um, in trying not to go negative, I feel like this stuff is happening in a sequence and it's happening at the same time because it needs to. So let's just call the the, the protests and things, the black lives matter. Let's just say that was just another random day and it was just a February and any other year and it came and it went Mm -hmm. like it has for, y'all know how many, how many, (laughs) how many years? Um, (laughs) Maybe this will stick because people are raw. And so I feel like there are, some of us that just see the apple and see what it is. And there's others that, that you, they got to be hit by the apple in the face before they actually really see that it's an apple, right? And I feel right now, not that I wish harm on anybody, but there's some people that need to be kicked in the face. Now, whether it be by COVID and, and they've got a family member that passes away, God forbid, or a family member or close relative that survives it. And they realize, holy shit, this is, re- this is real. Shame on me for thinking what I thought yesterday, I'm wearing my mask, or whatever it might be. Um, well, or you know, wow, I, I saw this thing uh, printed, and you know I never really knew about all that stuff about the history you know of of the black person, and, and just all those kinds of things. I mean, I'm reading more and, and researching more and doing more than I probably would have ever done before, mm-hmm. um, and I'm naive too, not as much as the next person maybe, but pretty naive. I feel like. I want to go positive. I want to be better. I want people to be better. And I want to believe that people are going to unfortunately ever there's got to be a sacrifice. There there has been since the beginning of time. There's always a sacrifice, right? Whether you're religious and you call it Jesus, whatever. George was probably our sacrifice for the Black Lives Matter. You know, I'm 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 obviously very sorry for that, but hey, if if he goes down with a bit bigger purpose, that changes people, well-deserved. I mean, I wish he was here, as well as his family and everybody else, but you know what I'm saying? So I don't know, I, this is kind of strong, but kick, kick people in the face. Kick them in the face right now. Don't stop, keep going, don't stop. I am that one that says, are the process still happening? Are they still out there? Are they still doing, like, don't stop, right. you know? Because I feel like we have some momentum, even though we're held back, and we're restricted, we've got momentum. We've got momentum with anger. We've got momentum with fear. We've got momentum with, with frustration. Use it. There's no more power than that kind of power from within, right? So let's use it. Let's somehow figure out how to mix it and use it.
2: So so here's one, right? So so some of the uh, the, the NBA is about to start back up and some of the players uh, didn't feel that it was right to restart the season with the social unrest going on. right? And um, I agree, you know, but then there are other players who said, no, we need to use this as a platform to continue to hammer away um, the message. Right? So I'm literally like, I could agree with totally both sides of that yeah. so angry, angry me pissed off me is like, F them. Well, no, we, we don't need to entertain. We, we need to stop entertaining um, and pacifying and keep the, uh, keep the foot on the pedal uh, and keep, the, keep striking while the iron's hot on these social issues that affect all of our lives. But then at the same time, um, by being front and center, the, the athletes are get, having an opportunity to do it. So it's, you know. Yeah, there's
1: more fact. than one way to be uh, an activist. And there's yeah. more than one way. I mean, I think everybody, as, as Robin said, I think everyone should find what way works best works for, them. for them. And That's also to be, to be honest, you have to check yourself, right? You have to know how much you can give Mm -hmm. And then be able to back away so you don't become so overwhelmed with it because it's a lot. It is a lot. Just just reading it, not even being involved in the movement, just reading it is enough to uh, cripple you if you let it. Right. And so you have to know, like I've been to a couple of protests um, and it's almost daily. Daily. You find you see a new victim or a new story that was washed over mm-hmm. uh, somebody that died maybe a year ago or happened six months ago. And every day you're learning about something that just, just happened maybe a week ago. And so it's almost like Robin said, you know, this, this, you, yeah, you can kick them in the face, but they're not going to sit there and take it. Right. You got, you we are, we are actually fighting a, a, uh A mindset, a mindset that has been institutionalized. So it's not just saying, hey, let's come together and absolve our differences or resolve our differences. It's, hey, let's resolve our differences. But also we have to figure out how to make the institutions Mm -hmm. more fair, more equitable and more just because they were designed specifically designed specifically to oppress a certain people. And it, had, it the country was built that way. And so yeah. it's not yeah. enough just to say, you know, okay, we're going to take on the PD, or we're going to, you know, take on, we're going to defund the police. That's just one. That's just one organization of many institutions. We can go to the education system if we want. So we can go to the housing system. And development. If we wanted to go, so we can go to the financial sector and see how disproportionate, you know, loans and home uh, loans are given out, and how the interest rates are greatly disproportionate. Yep. You can you can keep unraveling this onion. And so, you know, as my man Leon said, this is going to be a lifelong thing. And so, knowing that and preparing for that, I, I caution everyone: like, yes, devote yourself to a cause, find what it is. If it's the PD, if it's education, if it's finance, if it's the housing sector, if it's homelessness, find out whatever it is, but also know yourself, know how much you can give so that you can recover and continue to give.
2: Fair. Great point. Great point. Sasha, do you, do you mind jumping in?
4: No, yeah. I'll, I'll start with um, COVID. And I think in the context of being stuck and, you know, given the topic of the podcast I'll focus on uh probably the relationship part of it I've been incredibly I've been feeling incredibly fortunate to be on the same page uh with my partner because I feel like um, being stuck inside with someone uh really sort of brings out any sort of um Disagreements that you may have had in the past and to not be in this together, to not be on the same page, I think is incredibly challenging. And that actually goes for where you fall on um, the civil unrest and uh, police brutality and injustice as well, right? There's a spectrum to it, and um, it really helps if you and your partner are in it together on the same page. Um, So that said, um, I am the person that wears a mask every time I go outside. Um, I find it a question of maybe integrity because I understand Fully, like the, the annoyance and the nuisance of it all and New York is hot as I don't know what and mm-hmm. the air quality isn't the best, et cetera, et cetera. However, I always think of a person or people that might be going through it with a completely different um, situation. What if you are currently battling cancer? You're undergoing treatment. You have to go outside to get food. If by wearing a mask or staying sort of outside of crowded areas, I can help that person not get infected and ultimately not die, then that's the least I can do, right? Same goes for the elderly. Same goes for, I don't know, undocumented people that probably would not go to a hospital, right? Because they're afraid of being exposed and ultimately, you know, deported or something. So I feel like that's, that's the least I can do. Now, granted, I've been fortunate. I am fortunate to have a place outside of the city. So I've, uh, I've been able to kind of go there since this whole thing started. Um, the whole response to the pandemic vocally in the U.S. has been a complete letdown, whether it's top down or bottom up, right? I'm disappointed Clearly, in the messaging that's coming from the top, be that mm-hmm. federal or state or whatever, we have no plan. We're six weeks away from the new school year. There's literally nothing. Like, there's not, people are still debating, sending surveys. How many days are you comfortable with coming in? How many days online? What does that matter?
2: And you, you have children, right? You have young I have children, children of school, right? correct. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Um, there's no plan. Economically, (laughs) if you're impacted beyond what you're getting currently, there doesn't seem to be a plan. I believe that this is virtually the end of like the small business in the brick and mortar sense of the word, right? Because how are they going to survive this? This isn't going away in six months. This is probably never going away
2: can I, can yeah. I jump in real, real quick. So your, your children, how do your, have you have you taken your children's temperature? like how do they feel personally about the idea of maybe going back to school or, or staying in that, the environment that they're in?
4: Well, of course they want to go back to school okay. just the social aspect of it, right? A virtual school is not a school for them. Right. It's not something that they're used to. It's not something that they look forward to. Um, I have a 10-year-old who is going into middle school for the first time, Right, uh, starting middle school. So it's a little bit disappointing. The graduation was virtual. The start of the year is likely mm-hmm. to be virtual. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see how everything goes. But with that, I understand the concerns. I don't want anybody to get sick. I um, My partner is an essential worker, so... We just cannot afford to bring in an infection, an infection into the house, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So it's been it's been a little bit heavy for me as things progress because I just feel like, as you observe, countries in Europe where people really like buckle down and just sheltered in place and now they have a plan with the help of the government of course to slowly reopen and here we are right constantly pushing it like granted there's no plan coming from the top there's also sort of we're just like kind of pushing the envelope a little bit like okay well I'm just gonna like hang out with these 10 people well how about like 20 people and next thing you know there's like a thousand people in Astoria partying in the street and like are we surprised that the um (laughs) that the cases are not going down or going up? like absolutely not it sucks on a million levels absolutely but if we do not do anything about it it's gonna suck even more like beyond so um yeah so it's been it's been a, a i know that everything has been politicized heavily so um, it's been difficult to discuss to have these conversations with people that are maybe not in your immediate household so um, I have not been successful in any of my quarantine goals on a personal level Uh, one would be to do a headstand and the other one is to take up skateboarding and I failed on both accounts OK, but uh, my children are uh, mask wearers. And if the schools do start, I am not worried about them keeping the mask on. So I'll let uh, I don't know if Brianna wants to try. Yeah, and I know we're uh, running short on time.
2: Yeah, no, we're good. Let me let me just uh, say. So this is Talk It Over. Talk It Over is the only dating relationship podcast that begins in bed. But because of covid, we have been honoring social distance distancing and we've been doing the podcast virtually right so i just wanted to uh let everybody know who just joined us um we're discussing uh the social effects of uh, covet on our lives as well as uh the social unrest um that has also been going on um here in this country right so um definitely uh um, appreciate everybody coming back on. We haven't been um, actually doing tapings in a long time, so it's really good to see everybody. And uh, I miss you all. And uh, thanks for yeah, coming man. back and being a part of. Uh, so this, is, this is
3: this was my, or well, it has
2: been my therapy. quite to be quite honest with you, you know,
3: throughout quarantine, so you know, that's
2: what's up. Pre- appreciate that, and that that was. That that was one of the reasons I wanted to start it back up because I'm like man, I need therapy. I need the type of therapy that comes from discussing with the group of core people that we um, that you know we put together for this show to be a part of it. So I really really appreciate y'all and good to see you all. Um, uh, but Let, um, no, no, no. let's see. We got here from our favorite
1: therapist. Yeah,
2: we want to. Yeah, we wanted to save our big therapist for the end. Our 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 millennial uh, our millennial artists and residents, right? What's going
1: on in the streets, Bree? I know you out there. They get into
0: you out out there
1: throwing you the one setting off those fireworks. No, not those.
0: I'm sick of those.
1: Yes, but honestly, um,
0: what I think for for myself you know, my my generation, because, you know, it's a lot uh, my generation is a lot younger and it's a lot harder for us to be so positive about everything that's going on, you know, like, so speaking for myself specifically, I live right across the street from one police plaza and like down up the block from city hall and stuff. So, I'm right in the face of, like, the protests and, you know, mm-hmm. like, the, the police barricading wow. mm-hmm. everything. And mm-hmm. and honestly, what I will say is, like, that when the protests first started, I was there that first Saturday. I was out there. I was marching. I was with them. Um, you know, the following days, the, the officers that were out here were just rude and, like, just blatantly, like, disrespectful and nonchalant and disregarding and... I hadn't even been with the protest at that point, but every time they saw me and like, they have everything blocked off. So you have to interact with them in order to find out which way you can walk in order to get to my apartment. And every time I would like try to have that interaction, it would always be some kind of sly remark or like the interaction would be negative or tension, you know, like it got to a point where it was like, it's frustrating now, you know, like there's nothing, you know, I'm not in the streets. I'm, I'm, Educated, I go to school. I have a degree. I'm, you know, well mannered. I'm respectful. I'm polite. I'm professional. Everything doesn't even is, matter. Right? Exactly. Exactly. You know. And with all that being said, you still look at me differently just because of the color of my skin and because you're assuming whatever age I am. You know. So I've gotten into a lot of arguments, a lot of back and forth with police officers because of how they react. You know, and like that one reaction with me is like. I'll be nice. I'll be polite. Once you do that one reaction, all right, cool. Now we're going to have this uncomfortable conversation and I'm going to ask you uncomfortable questions that you're not willing to answer. You know, like, and every time I ask those uncomfortable questions, I got the same answers. We're not all the same. Okay, cool. So I brought up someone who is, I found a detective. There's a detective out in Brooklyn. Who's known for his, um. he does, he does a lot of like false arrests on minorities. He's known for using the choco on minorities, especially minors. Um, you know, I brought up all his stuff. He's had just in 2019. He's had over three dozen lawsuits. The city has paid over five hundred thousand dollars to victims of, you know, people that has been harassed by this detective. And he's still on the force. He's still he has it. The only thing they did was they docked him um vacation days. Other than that, he's still allowed to arrest. He's still a sergeant. I you know,
1: think it's again, it's the institution. It's the that is, that is the problem. Is. Right,
0: exactly. Because but they are
5: protected.
0: That, right. My thing is that when, when I speak to these officers, they're like, oh, we're not all the same. So I bring up one right. officer that falls into that stigma. You know, like, okay, well, we have this officer. He's still on the force. And they'll still, well, that's just one person. One person and everyone else that falls under him because he's a sergeant and they follow his orders. So please tell me what else. You know, like, they. it's always... A back and forth and an excuse versus like, you're right, this is a corrupt
1: system. I will say this, and this is something that I think is overlooked just because of how pervasive and how uh, bastardized the departments of law enforcement is, is that, okay, yes, we know that it's wrong to generalize any type of group, whether that be by race, gender, or profession, Right. right, so we know that we can't generally we can we, we know that it's an inaccuracy to say all cops are bad. Now we can say right. the entire system is bad. however, this is the one thing that I think a lot of people don't it doesn't really click is how difficult they make it in the force for those good cops to actually be able to make a difference the no. second that they feel like you are on our side you're not for the badge and you aren't you don't have our backs they will destroy that person through the media. and I understand that
0: not to and, cut you off but I've this is also a part of the conversation that I've been having
1: mm-hmm. it's like how did they get
0: on period Wow. I wouldn't put it on. Why? Because I'm coming into to work for a system that openly oppresses minorities. I wouldn't do that. I had an officer look at me and say, well, what do you do? I said, I work with kids. He said, okay, well, the DOE isn't as perfect. They're corrupt, too. You're right. I don't work for the DOE. Why? Yeah, because this be situation... Where I'm applying to work for a daycare or school, the Department of Education, and I know that they abuse kids or that they mistreated kids or that they oppressed a certain amount of students because their race or where they come from or whatever. I wouldn't apply, not because I know I can make a difference and I'm going to be a good teacher and, you know, I'm different from all these other teachers that were... You know, enforcing the negativity, but because I don't even want to be associated. There are other yeah. ways that I can help children, yeah. and I'm going to figure it out. I don't want to be associated with a corrupt system. I'm okay.
1: Here. So there's a lot of that, and yeah. uh, to, to break it down, there's a lot of cowardice. Well, so there, there's yeah. people who feel I, like.
2: Let me insert something really quick, and this, this will kind of frame it, right? So, Rihanna, how, how old are you? Roughly. 24. 24. So, I, yeah, probably about 24 years ago. Oh. I had, uh, I used to get the uh, New York Times and uh, I saw this one article in the New York Times probably about 24 years ago, buried somewhere in one of their back pages was an article that said the police departments were no longer accepting recruits who had high IQs. Wow. Yep. That was, that's probably about 24 years ago. Yeah wow. they were no longer accepting recruits who had high IQs.
1: And you think right. about that. Think right. about the what, what organization wants people who don't think? Right. An organization right. that wants to get away with abuse. Right. With abuses. Right. Because so, so, if we got a bunch so, of employees so who so don't, don't challenge us.
2: Right. right. So they didn't so so the, the so then that I you know, I mean that was twenty almost about twenty-four years ago, and I thought, wow. wow. I mean, that's really, that's bad, right? So if you look now 24, 24, about 24 years later, you see the effects of that, right? So we don't need people who can discern and assess situations. We just need people to basically be bullies. and Yeah, we need little, little soldiers. Yeah. We need and good and little add, soldiers.
5: Add, add to that, Kai,
1: yeah. We're not like,
5: ed- education-wise, they don't, isn't it training like six months or something like that versus like- no.
1: No, it's not, I don't think it's, I think it's six months. I think it's less than six months.
5: Well, I mean, but it's, it's, it, whatever it is, it's that, even that is, is small in itself. Yeah. Right? Sure.
2: So, you know, so I, I, and you know, and I challenge anyone, feel free to, to see if you can find that article. Um, but that was, yeah, it <laughs> was, it was, it was devastating to read 20 some years ago, mm. you know, so we see the effects of it now, right? So we don't need people who can who are able to, to assess and discern a situation, right? So there is an element that definitely needs to be addressed in that regard, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have to definitely continue to push um, to have those types of things um, changed.
1: Well, you got. <laughs> I mean, that's it's, why it's, uh, I feel... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's a multi-layered thing. Like, it's not yeah. enough just to say we got this cop out, we got that cop out, yeah. we got... No, you got to look at the district attorney who's not following up when mm-hmm. a cop says when a good cop goes to the DA and says, "Hey, I'm reporting an abuse from my fellow officer because right. this is what I, this is the protocol. I right. can't go to my captain, I can't go to my chief. I'm going to the DA. I'm going to, and the DA buries right. So the DA right. comes to the chief and says, "Hey, you got a uh, a so called rap right, right, Right. Exactly. So it's a multi layered thing because, like I said, it's 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 inaccurate to generalize. However, we have to recognize how difficult it is for good cops to actually be able to, they don't have help. They don't have help from their superiors. So if you are alone and you can't even go to your superior, then yeah, the only choice is to do what Bree said. It's like, why Why would you even associate yourself with that office? Why would you be in that organization?
5: Well,
1: uh, like you said- I, I have
5: uh, a question. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Leon, go ahead.
3: No, I was gonna say, um, you know, like you said, and don't forget your question, Robin. Um, you know, it's it's it is multi-layered and one of the things I was thinking about is the fact that like when things like this happen, everyone kind of like everyone everyone wants like this immediate action, right? And that's important. Like you have, you know, the fact that Brianna Taylor's murderers are still like not like they're still uh, uh, still on the I job, of one, I believe. Yeah. Still employed. Right. Oh. So so that's one thing. But then you also cuz you mentioned it earlier, oh, you got people if you have cops who um, are, are bullied or scared to say something because they know that, you know, the thin blue line is going to protect, you know, corruption, we'll be retaliated against retaliation. Yeah. Right. Defunding the police isn't isn't is only one part of that. Right. Because if you think about the fact that, like, OK, yes. Let, OK, let's say the police department gets less funding. That's fine. They'll just find other ways to appropriate whatever funding they get. It's still the institution that will be in place. And so it's like, okay, not only do you have to remove people who clearly have a record of, of misconduct, but you also have to make the stakes higher for those who do cause um, harm. So if you, you shoot somebody, you fire your gun. You file your book, There has to be some some real repercussions for this, like it, right. because that that's where it comes. Like because the behavior. Really think about it from a psychological perspective. If you know that something you do isn't going to warrant any sort of um, consequence, consequence yeah. then you're going to move accordingly. But you're going to you, keep like, doing like, it. Yeah. Fire a bullet. Oh, we're, we're gonna we're actually gonna cut your pension in five years. Oh, you killed somebody. Oh, okay. Even if it's manslaughter. Even if it was self-defense. Whatever. You fired. You're not getting anything. You know what I'm saying? There has to be more intense um, mm-hmm. ramifications for this behavior. Like, yes, it's important that everyone starts talking about, yes, Black Lives Matter. But let's be honest, It's the, the police force, like, obviously, they, they have been uh, historically focusing on um, Black and brown people. But clearly, throughout the protests, you can see they didn't care who they pushed. They didn't care... Yeah. Who they were attacking and assaulting. So clearly there's this in this energy, this idea that they're untouchable. That's the problem. You know? Yeah. And, well, and that's, that's by
2: design. That's right. by design. That's that's not unintentional. That's right. intentional. And and so I, I say those of us who have, you know, look, it's always rabbits, even, right? right. Um, but now other people, other people of different colors. You know, I always say, our, our white brethren and and mm-hmm. y'all starting to see now what the rabbit has endured and had to live Absolutely. with every day, all Absolutely. day, all the when time. He,
3: when they pushed right? that that that, that, that the white protester in Buffalo, yo, that yeah. my heart sunk. Yeah, the man, right? When he hit the pavement? Yeah.
0: Yes, I'm the man. Yeah, he was just asking a question. He wasn't even really trying to, you know, like he wasn't protesting, he wasn't like yelling at them or anything. He just needed to ask a question.
2: He wasn't a threat, let's put it like
0: that. Exactly, yeah, right.
2: So, I mean, that's somebody's parent, you got
3: got leadership. on the top, making excuses, saying the man tripped. Like, nah, yeah. bro, no, stop it.
0: When it's stop. clear in our face, you know, yes. we all see what happens, and they're still like, no, you didn't see that really happen.
2: Like, so, so imagine, imagine, you know, it's what I say to, 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 you know, to my, to my white friends and colleagues. I go, and this is with video, right? <laughs>
1: okay, this
5: you're looking a at this catchy. stuff on video,
2: right? You know, when, 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 you know, when we would say this stuff. Uh, before video, I mean, it was just like, oh, uh, yeah, another excuse. Well,
5: and Kai, you still have people denying video, oh, too. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, that, that's oh, always yeah. going to be my, my question. I know we're running out of time. My question, actually, and it's not going to be answered now, but, you know, so does change happen from the bottom up or the top down or both? Every
1: Everywhere. It happens everywhere, everywhere, everywhere right? Everywhere. And
5: because the, yeah. these things are so systemic, we can't just have people at the top and assume responsibility there. Nope. To pass it down, no. Nope. We 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 want pressure from the bottom. Yeah, and kind of coming full circle. What I meant by kick it in the face and everything happening at once. Get people when they're raw. You know, when 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 the, the the wealthier white people are down there and they're losing money right and left, and the economy is not so great anymore. Right. Maybe they start feeling the pain of their neighbors. Maybe start. To, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, they it start, has to be start to come into color. There has to be know.
3: a collective awakening from everybody because like, you no, know, when, when I was, cause I, you know, I participated in a few protests as well. And I can't tell you like the beauty, uh, in, in seeing everybody, all people, everybody, Not all representation, at, at mm-hmm. all representations yeah. you know, and, and with the same level of outrage of this bullshit. And it's like yeah. that, that's honestly, that's the energy that needs to kind of continue to be had. I but I would say even more importantly, it needs to be that that's the energy that needs to be had even when people aren't watching. That's yeah. A-
5: of yeah, Well, this this yeah. needs to continue. Not, that's,
3: that's, that's energy, energy needs to good. be had when when you you're given the the power to do something and you allow everybody to advance, not just right. like look like you. You know, yeah. no, right. so I think we
1: need to bring this back. Right, yeah. I think oh, this yeah. needs to be a multi. Yeah. Yeah. like we can't just wrap this up in one podcast. So no. I think this no, needs not, to come no, back no, another time.
2: Not not at
4: all. I would just like to add very quickly that as a i guess from a comms and uh, from a marketing and pr perspective the image of a police officer in the community has to be absolutely changed absolutely. right yes. like what they do
1: their role who they
4: are right their yeah. role in the How community they do it? because yeah
1: rebranding
4: if they're there
1: (laughs) they need a rebrand
4: there to serve and protect then why are they armed as if they're going to war right
1: right Right.
3: they don't they don't even know how to de-escalate so how can you protect if you don't know right
2: well well, when when you're not when you're not hired to assess and discern Right. right which is which is uh denotes intellect right right you know, to be able to, to see a situation and assess it for what it is, when you're not hired to do that in the first place, right. there's, you only have, you know, barbaric behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we definitely, you, you were going to say something, uh, Sasha?
4: I, I would just say that in favor of sort of dearming or lessening the armor of them when they're just patrolling the neighborhoods, I think that would make a big difference. Um, when you're quote unquote scared and you have a trigger to pull, it's much easier to pull the trigger versus if you do not have that and you actually have to deescalate, you know, it's similar to, I don't know, eating something unhealthy and I'm sorry for such like a sort of stupid analogy, no, but like,
1: no, no, it's not, stupid. It's, it's like being,
4: if, if it's in front of you and right. you're hungry, you eat it. Right. And the same, you know, if if you feel like you're, quote unquote, scared for your life, I'm not going to argue because right. that's like, whatever, if you're scared, that's, I guess you're scared.
1: I don't know. Dollars. That's That's like, yo, I'm not going, if we all on the same footing, and I'm going to watch right. what I say to this person right. because
2: exactly. you know, I'm not going
1: to talk sideways at my mouth because I, I might have to back that up and we on the same footing. But if I got a whole squad behind me, the biggest yeah. gang in, in America, then I say whatever I want to say because I know you can't touch me. And, uh, and add I'm on to that, I'm away.
2: armed.
3: Yeah, and I'm armed. I think, I think I'm, I'm reminded of a conversation I once had uh, with a guy. He played, I think, college football. He was a, also another trainer. And he was like, we were talking about how, you, how, how difficult it is to rein someone in when they've been trained to attack, when they've been trained That's to true. be in a certain mode at all times. And I think even though it's not the same, like, game in a sense – You think about the way a lot of police officers, you know, are trained. It's like if you if you are called on to psychologically, it's like it's either him or me, no matter what the situation is, which is why you have so many issues where you have cops being called in for jobs when, okay, maybe this isn't an issue for you. You know, maybe you need somebody who's better equipped to deal with this sort of maybe social work type response. Than, than having somebody who doesn't even know how to, you know, interact with people within a community who don't even look like you, you know? Like.
2: So so uh, let's, uh, let's let's let us close this out. Um, Robin, you had an article. Did you find, were you able to find?
5: Well, I just looked real quick. I don't know if it was your article, but it does say um, Metro News Briefs. Uh, it's Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And it says judge rules that police can bar high IQ scores. So the first paragraph mm. is... A federal judge has dismissed a lawsuit by a man who was barred from the New York New London police force because he scored too high on intelligence test. I don't know if that's the article I didn't read further because I, I read one also.
0: It was saying that um the the out the well, the, the in Connecticut were only accepting people who scored anywhere between, I think, a twenty-three and twenty-seven on the IQ. Anything higher, they were not accepting you.
5: Yeah, this was like nineteen ninety-nine or something like that. So,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I believe that may, yep, that may have been the article. So, yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Big O. We, this, this definitely has to be to be continued, and we will continue to, you know, do our part and drive these points forward um as these shows as the uh, podcast continue right um brianna thank you so much for i, I really like hearing your story uh, as literally our our millennial on the street like and sharing your experience and dealing with you know literally dealing with the police one-on-one as you just try to get to and from your home right yeah, yeah you live across the street from everything that's going on and yeah you You're like, listen, I I did my protest for like the first three days. Now I'm ready just to have a regular life. I can't even walk my dog. Right. You know what I mean? In my own neighborhood now, I have to be subjected to this. So I really appreciate that really, that really painted a very vivid image. Um, So thanks for sharing that. Thanks. Thanks everybody. You guys, uh, will you come back next week and do another podcast? Of course. Can I get a whoop from everybody? Absolutely.
5: For sure.
3: I'm just going to say yes. I'm not going to do that.
2: Okay And then then we'll continue Right to to On our next podcast To touch on these These crucial issues Right So once again It's your man K.I. from Bed-Stuy Thank you Robin Uh, Thank you Big O Brother Leon King Kong ain't got nothing on Leon Brie bringing the tea Miss Sasha thank you I hope to see you all next week Slow motion for me Cheer
0: next week.